coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. I really put up with a lot of things, except Green Bay Packer fans. I, I don't tolerate them very well at all. <laughs> There's two sites that I go to, Packer Basher, and the other one is called The Packers and All Their Fans Suck. And, these <laughs> <laughs> and you got a new toy, too. And we did. I don't know what, how that happened in the middle of all this. We, we've wanted, it's a bar, big barbecue trailer. So we've wanted one for offsite events and catering and, and just the cool factor. And, uh, and just because we're guys and you want one of those. And I was talking. <laughs> and you guys are also selling uh, meats by the pound as well. Yeah. Well, that's a typical barbecue restaurant thing that we just avoided because we didn't want to be a we, again, we everything we did, we tried to do it not exactly like everybody else. But, of course, you know, when the doo-doo hit the fan, any, all rules were off at that point. You did whatever you had to do. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button, and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Ray Dr. Barbecue Lampy. We'll get up to date with Ray on Dr. Barbecue the Restaurant, along with his latest TV series, judging barbecue competitions, and more. At the top of the show, we'll discuss some of the latest news and trends in the restaurant and food world. We, we have, have a great, great show, show, so stick, stick around. around. I am so hungry right now. I'm going to go to Noble Crust. What? You've never been? No way. Check this out. They do both food from the South and Italian, and they do an amazing job at both. They have some of the best fried chicken, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. The fried green tomatoes are not like anyone else's. They call it the FGBLT, but I think they should call it the OMG, because it has Tabasco honey pork belly and pimento cheese, and it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. Noble Crust also made six of St. Pete Foodie's best of list, best Italian, casual dining, best pizza, Bloody Mary's, meatballs, and best salads. If Noble Crust is already one of your favorites, then I have good news. They're expanding their service hours. Starting on February 7th, they'll be open for lunch on Fridays, and they'll start opening on Mondays for dinner starting February 10th. As always, on Saturday and Sunday, there's an awesome brunch starting at 1030 and the deviled eggs are one of my favorites. The St. Pete location is on 4th Street North and 83rd, and they also have locations in Carrollwood and Wesley Chapel. You can check hours and menus at noble-crust.com. Noble Crust is a must for your next lunch, brunch, or dinner. (laughs) 
So we have some updates on things happening in the uh, restaurant and food world. Latest uh, close certainly changing. Yeah, latest close to home here in downtown St. Pete. Seems like there have been a bunch of places closing mm-hmm. after they opened, and you know we're not going to mention specific names and whatnot because it's always changing anyway. But it, we could see that there were some places maybe not taking things so seriously or taking them for granted that had to close because they had employees test positive. But then there's other places that we know of that were being very stringent yeah, with the right. protocols. And, and the same thing still happened. But the, the thing I'd like to point out on that is you can control to a certain extent what happens in your restaurant. You can't control right. what your employees do after they leave. Right. They've got to take their own take it into their own hands and be cautious when they're out and about after work and who they come in contact with. Right. So as of uh, just this past Friday, 5 p.m., was the uh, deadline for now all, all, not just restaurants, but all service businesses that deal with the public, mm-hmm. all the employees have to wear a mask if they are in the public area. Like if they're in the back in the stock room or something, they don't have to. Right. And the mayor strongly encouraged as well patrons to wear masks anytime they leave their homes. It's not mandated at this point, but it is being considered. Yeah, he also encouraged patrons to call the police if they see them not wearing masks. Oh, at businesses, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, and I like how he, he used the old, you know, there's that old the sign you see in a lot of places that says, no shoes, no shirt, no right, service. Right. He said, no shoes, no shirt, no mask, no service. Right. Meaning, you know, customers need to wear masks too. Right. But it's not mandated at this point. That's but what I strongly suggest it. You did say that. <laughs> I just wanted to use the no shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. You're just trying to be a show off. <laughs> so uh, other in other news, here's a follow-up to one. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about that there is a price-fixing case against the uh, major uh, chicken producers. Right. And an update on that. Now, those were, that was Pilgrim's, Claxton, Tyson Foods, Sanderson Farms, and Purdue Farms. Right. And ironically, the agriculture secretary... Mm-hmm. The U.S. is last name's Purdue, <laughs> but there's no relation. It's just ironic, <laughs> right? So an update on that is Tyson is now cooperating, basically telling on their competitors for immunity against criminal charges. Wow, it doesn't seem fair because, like, what, what if you're one of the other companies? You say, okay, we'll tell you everything too, right? <laughs> you right. know. So now we have the same thing with beef processors, which also again includes Tyson. These guys, these guys are starting to sound kind of evil now. Yeah, they are, right? You know, and along with, that's also includes in the beef processing price fixing, it includes JBS USA Holdings, Cargill, and National Beef Packing. And these companies pretty much control the U.S. beef industry uh, with a 73% of the processing capacity. Wow. So now the chicken one, that was pre-COVID. And the beef price fixing is both pre and during. There's allegations. So the the chicken allegations, I think, are strong because they have actual text and emails where executives of different companies discussed price fixing. Mm-hmm. I think the beef charges are a little fuzzier, or at least the newer newer ones, because the newer ones, it's to me, it's simple economics 101, supply and demand. Right. Because of COVID, processing facilities were shutting down or have reduced capacity, and that leaves uh, cattle ranchers with an oversupply, therefore causing their prices that they could sell cattle at to fall. Mm-hmm. The cattle ranchers say that that should cause the wholesale price of beef to fall as well, which is why they're calling price fixing, because it actually prices actually went up. Mm. So it would seem logical that yeah, if, if the cost goes down for their, I guess raw materials, the cows, mm-hmm. that the price of beef should go down too. But that's not what happened. 
beef prices went up, but that's because there was a run on it as people did panic buying right. because of COVID. And we saw empty meat cases ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a case of a broken link in the supply chain. Right. Cattle ranchers had an oversupply, so prices went down for them, but processors couldn't keep up with the artificially increased demand caused by people hoarding. Right. And not so, only that, they were having problems with COVID infection within the processing plants. They didn't yeah. have employees that could actually right. do the process. Right. So I don't think that one holds water. Right. But on the other hand, there's another case from last year where a fire shut down Tyson's largest processing facility, again, leaving cattle ranchers with an oversupply, naturally causing cattle prices to fall. And the cattle ranchers say that that should cause the wholesale price of beef to fall as well. But beef wholesale prices actually went up in that case as well. Hmm. So that one sounds like it could be a little fishy because there was no artificially increased demand with people buying like crazy in that case. Right. So on a much less serious note, iguanas are the new chicken. Ew, gross. What in the world do you mean (laughs) by that? Well, it's a Florida thing, of course, and more so South Florida, thank God. You know, I don't know. If you put enough hot sauce on them, they might be good. That just kills me because I have a gecko. I can't even imagine eating an iguana. It's so similar. Well, they're much larger. Some of them are really huge. I I saw some photos. I had no idea how huge they can get. I mean, they're more than twice the size of our little chihuahua. Uh, Do they say that it tastes like chicken too? Well, here it says, iguana meat is common in South and Central America and the Caribbean, and they call them chicken of the trees. (laughs) But it turns out, so in South Florida, they're an invasive species that arrived as pets that escaped or that were just abandoned when they got too big. Mm. So they're high in protein, Mm. low in fat, and typically served hot off the grill or in curried stews, tacos, and soups. And they're supposed to be quite tasty. I hope they're not serving them whole. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I mean, it, it sounds gross, but then again, we've eaten alligator. I know. But the difference is that these are being caught wild, which makes it seem a little more gross. Right. You know, so in Florida, they're, they've, they've been aggressive breeders. Now, here's, a, here's a quote from the article. In Florida, they've been aggressive breeders, Mr. Dionarine said. He has seen groups of iguanas wreathing together in what he called breeding balls, as well as one trying to mate with a dead iguana. Another time, he saw an iguana that appeared conflicted between mating with or eating a potential partner. He chose the latter. Sounds like an iguana orgy. It's so bizarre, man. <laughs> So apparently South Florida is overrun with iguanas and lots of people are hunting them and eating them. And, and they're encouraging them to do it because there's so much of an overpopulation. And the guy I quoted previously is working on a cookbook and he also makes belts, wallets, and headbands. Out How random. Iguana skin. <laughs> oh, out of iguana skin. Yeah, oh, I could see oh. the, the belts and wallets, but headbands is kind of weird, man. That's weird. So last thing I have is about eggs. It turns out that people are eating more eggs during pandemic times as their comfort food. Hmm. I mean, the only way I could eat more eggs is if I ate them for lunch and dinner. Right, I know. And you love your eggs. I do. Uh, I like them all kinds of ways, too. I like them you do. fried, over easy, scrambled, omelets. I like them hard-boiled, soft-boiled. Okay, Bubba Gump. Gumbo, pan-fried, deep-fried, stir-fried. <laughs> and it turns out that as part of that trend... Egg salad is making a big comeback, mm. which reminded me that I love egg salad and that Lonnie's has a good egg salad sandwich. They do. Yeah. Lonnie's has great bread, too. And it tastes so fucking good. They do. Yeah, it's awesome. Is that the rice bread? And the potato bread. They're both delicious. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. 
So that's all I have for updates on news and trends in the food and restaurant industry for this week. After this word from our sponsors, we will be right back with Ray Lampy. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Welcome, Barbecue Hall of Famer, chef and pitmaster, author of nine cookbooks and TV personality, Ray, Dr. Barbecue Lampy. Welcome, Ray. Yes, welcome back, Ray. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Good to be getting back in the swing. Yes, definitely. And I want to let our listeners know before we go too far that you have been on, they need to go back and listen to two episodes that you were on two weeks in a row because you, you've done so much stuff. I mean, we, I've done we, a lot of stuff. Yeah. We, 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 <laughs> yeah. we normally have a 20 minute interview and your first interview was 30 minutes and your second one was 45 minutes, but <laughs> long winded too, but, but, but <laughs> totally worth the listen though. I, I, I listened to the first one back this morning. It was great. And I got halfway through the second one, but people should make note episode 25 and 26. That was back in February, 2019. And we learned a lot of really cool stuff. We, learned how you went from barbecue hobbyist to award-winning pro. We learned that you moved from your hometown of Chicago to Lakeland, then St. Pete, and why. And there's a ton of good stories with your history and, and stuff with the restaurant that we don't need to rehash for this episode. Also, on the one of those two episodes, we learned how you got the name Dr. Barbecue. We're not going to tell anybody now because they have to go back <laughs> and listen. It's a great story. Yeah, Ray, yeah uh, here's one thing I'll tell you. Ray goes, ah, oh, it's not a good story. <laughs> and, then, and then we thought it was a great story yeah oh but so you're from chicago we should talk about your love for the green bay pack yeah that's you know i'm a really tolerant guy at this point in my <laughs> life I, I really put up with a lot of things except green bay packer fans i i don't tolerate them very well at all <laughs> yeah yeah you, you you put up some pretty funny memes on the on the packers well it, it's such a fertile land field you know that um the, with facebook out there there's two sites that i go to packer basher and the other one is called the packers and all their fans suck and these <laughs> they must not have jobs because they just spend their day making these memes about hating the packers so every now and then i just go there find one and and share it and it's it's really nice and easy it's right. just for fun right it makes you laugh no it's not for fun at all <laughs> Well, you don't understand. If you grow up in Chicago, the Green Bay Packers and the Bears are the original two NFL teams. When I first moved down here, Sandy's telling me, well, you know, the Gators have these great rivalries. You know, it's different than up north. I said, well, not really. You don't understand. The Packers and Bears rivalry goes back to the beginning of the NFL. And there's horrible stories like uh, George Hallis would, in a cold day at Soldier Field, would turn the hot water off in the Packers locker room. Oh, my God. <laughs> The Bears hired Mike Ditka, who was, you know, bleeds blue and green bear 
Um, right at the same time, the Packers hired Forrest Gregg, who was a longtime Packers star, and they hated each other. They hated each other from when they played, and they were coaching the teams and literally hated each other. Uh, so th- this is a serious rivalry. So wow. it's not just you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, there's, but that's why there's those Facebook groups. There's right, plenty. right. That, that reminds me of something funny that I, I saw you posting. It's a new thing called Cameo. And it's where you, you do a video and there, there's a fee that someone can pay. But it, you, you said, if you'd like me to do a shout out to someone, maybe it's their birthday or maybe you want me to tell them how good their barbecue is or maybe even talk shit to them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ordering the last one. The first request I got was to talk shit to somebody. <laughs> guy, it was a guy who had, that's my new thing. I'm having really a lot of fun with it. I just did one this morning. They... they you, so you, in my case, it's 30 bucks, and I'll make this little video to say happy birthday to your friend or whatever. Well, the first request I got was a guy who burned up his ribs, and his friends hired me to basically talk shit to him. So I, I said that <laughs> I was really sorry. I'm going to post it later today. Uh, I wanted to let them have their fun with it first, but it basically said, you know, I'm sorry that that pig had died because Jimmy <laughs> then ruined the ribs, and no one had a good meal, and it's pretty funny. The pig <laughs> I died for my nothing. New, my new <laughs> That is funny. So I thought we would talk about uh, what's new going on and touching in areas like the restaurant, uh, what's new with TV books, competitions, and some other stuff that I have notes of. And then if we, if we have time, I thought we might do like a quick barbecue 101, talk about some cooking stuff with some knives maybe. So the restaurant reopened, was it May 26th? Uh, no, we never closed. I, I'm okay, sorry. No, I'm do- sorry. I meant, I meant for dine-in. Sorry. Uh, yeah, whatever the date was that we were allowed, we basically have done everything we've been allowed to do since day one. Uh, you know, I, I just, it didn't, Roger and Suzanne, who are the owners and my partners on this deal, they just don't understand, you know, it doesn't make sense to them. Why would we close our restaurant if we don't have to? And, and you know, so many different things happened because of that. Uh, we kept our management team to run the restaurants. That was it, because we only had carry out and delivery. And so all the managers have stayed with us, which is really great. You know, a lot of people are looking for their people right now. Right. And, mm-hmm. and right. Just kept our name out there. We're also lucky barbecue travels well. So so we've done right. pretty well with delivery and carry out. And then we opened at 25% as soon as we could. And I think it's at 50 now. Right. Um, and I think ours are now open. I, I can't keep track. but Yeah, and you guys with, with, with indoor-outdoor combined, you're around 10,000 square feet, so you definitely have room to space things out. Yeah, that was the good news. We we can actually put some people in our dining room and, and, and outdoors as well, where a lot of folks, you know, just not much they could do about it. Right, and, right. And you got a new toy, too. And we did. I don't know why, how that happened in the middle of all this. We we've wanted it's a bar big barbecue trailer. So we've wanted one for offsite events and catering and, and just the cool factor and uh and just because we're guys and you want one of those. And <laughs> I was talking to Roger and, and he was like he showed me a picture of one that he had seen. It, it's made by a company called Pitmaker in Houston. And I said, Well, I know those guys. You know, I said they make beautiful stuff. They're they're just the guys who make the exact same thing, only theirs looks cooler. And uh, so I started looking around and I found a used one that was almost exactly what we would have wanted. And it was a heck of a deal. And Roger's the kind of guy that says, well, then let's just do that. So we went and got it. It's in our driveway now. It's in the parking lot at the restaurant. I think 4th of July, I'm going to fire it up and cook something out there. I told the guys at the restaurant, it's ours. Go ahead and use it if you want. Uh, It's just a little bit of a challenge to go cook things outside. I think I'm going to go hang out there on the 4th and cook. Right. So it's better for as like a special event kind of thing. 
yeah, that's it. That's the plan for it for sure. Um, but you know, when we're busy enough, there's three, there's two big smokers and one big grill on it. And then two big, like crab boil burners. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And people listening to really appreciate this, go to the Dr. Barbecue Facebook page, the restaurant. I think it's on your, your page too, Ray, to, to see a photo. The thing is huge. Wow. I haven't seen it. So like it, would, it would take up my whole living room, although my living room's not that big, but anyway, <laughs> And you guys are also selling uh, meats by the pound as well. Yeah, well, that's a typical barbecue restaurant thing that we just avoided because we didn't want to be a, we didn't, again, we everything we did, we tried to do it not exactly like everybody else. But of course, you know, when the doo-doo hit the fan, any, all rules were off at that point, you did whatever you had to do. And people wanted that sort of thing. So we started doing the meats by the pound and it caught on and it's become a big thing. And I suspect we'll stay with it now, but it's fine. You know, it's kind of fun. It's typical barbecue restaurant thing. We share a pound of brisket. Cool. And are you doing regular hours for dine-in? I, I, we were closing at nine during the week instead of 10 and 10 instead of 11 on the weekends. I'm not sure if that's been extended yet. Right. Everything's constantly changing. Yeah, exactly. Kind of making it up as you go along. And brunch is off at the moment, but we're working on bringing it back soon right now. Cool. I think we might get some meats by the pound for this coming weekend. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And you guys have a new chef too, right? Yeah. we Well, you know, one of the things that's happened everywhere all over town, a lot of guys got furloughed. And so you had a kind of a chance to, uh, you know, reevaluate your staff when it was time to bring them back. And, and we had a chef apply that was working recently at the Epicurean and at Misenplatz. He worked with wow. Marty over there for a long time. And oh, he, wow. Yeah, cool find for us. And I don't think they're up to full speed yet. So, uh, But it's been really, this is kind of what we had in mind in the beginning, you know, because he has great respect for barbecue. I don't know if you ever see Marty, he's got a big green egg behind Misenplatz. Uh, right, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. My friend, and, uh, and matter of fact, someone stole it a couple of years ago. Oh, no. And we got a new one to replace it because he's been such a big fan forever. Um, so those guys love barbecue. They're, they're, you know, they're certainly respectful of it. So hopefully this is going to be a really good fit for us. We're really excited about it. He's Chef Will. He's in there all the time. If you're in there, say hi to him. That's awesome. really cool, yeah. yeah. So you've also had some changes in your spokes chef, spokesman uh, arena? area <laughs> so you're you're no longer the spokes chef for the big green egg but you're now spokesman for the national turkey federation uh, yeah well it, i was hoping to do both of them actually uh it just big green egg boy we had done it for a long time and and it just i don't want to say it was stale but you know it, they i'm not a modern day influencer and those guys like swarm on these companies and right work free yeah and, you know, it kind of changes the the playing field. And, and uh, but I mean, you know, we, we could have continued on. It just wasn't what it used to be. And I just said to him, you know, it's just, it's been a great run. 17 years. Wow. Doing something like that. That's not how long those things last. You yeah. know, they usually last a few years. So I told him, it's just, maybe this is a good jumping off point. We're still friends. We may do some stuff together down the road. And ironically, it was literally... Well, I guess it was March 1st, so it was right before the, the whole pandemic thing started. So it's probably best for everybody. You know, it would have been awkward. It's, it's really hard to fulfill those old duties as a spokesman in this climate. You got to look for new stuff to do. Right. Um, right. 
So, but the National Turkey Federation came along like right before that. And it's a really cool one for me. I, I'm a big fan. I really like turkey a lot. Uh, my barbecue trophy that's in my office, there's one over there. It's a, it's my first trophy I won in 1991. And I cooked a turkey. Back then, the oh, category wow. in big contest was poultry. You could cook whatever you wanted. I cooked a turkey because I love turkey. And uh, there's so many different stories of me with turkey. So when this opportunity came up, it was like, guys, this isn't a, I'm not making this up. I really am a, a huge fan. Uh, now, there's two National Turkey Federations. There's one is the guys who hunt turkeys and the other one is the guys who grow them so we could cook them and eat them. And uh, that's the guys I'm working with. Right. Of course. Right. Right. So is there, is there a motto, uh, turkey, it's not just for Thanksgiving? <laughs> well, that's not the motto, but it's, it's said a lot. <laughs> the, right. Well. The, the so obviously they they own Thanksgiving and the holidays even and they and lunch meat they're number one in lunch meat turkey is uh, so they need right. to fill in the gaps of that and right. the one thing that their their whole uh, hashtag turkey smoke is really what the project that they hired me to be part of so cool. if people we get people to just start cooking bar turkey on the grill a little more often it could make a big difference yeah, right right that's pretty cool so. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll, we have a whole bunch more fun stuff to talk about right after this word from our sponsors. I love soup, and I'm always in search of a great soup. Ramen is just so complex and delicious with layers of complex flavors in its broth. Booyah Ramen is one of my favorite places in downtown St. Pete, so much so that I recently included them on my top five Asian noodle soups list for their pork belly ramen. Now, Booyah's success is not just about the ramen. It's a hip, upbeat environment meant for unwinding and socializing with housecrafted cocktails, a large selection of Japanese whiskey, and izakaya, too. Those are small plates of different types of appetizers that are delicious, as well as the ramen. The ambiance of the place, along with the friendliness of the owners and staff, really adds to the character and charm of Buya. And to add to its coolness, the owners are actually opening up four more stores, one in Miami, and three in Berlin of all places. Yes, Berlin, Germany. How cool is that? Booyah Ramen is located at 911 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete and is open seven days a week at 11 a.m. Do ya, Booyah? Have you been to Pacific Counter? It is one of the newest fast casual concepts located on one of the fastest growing blocks in St. Pete, the 600 block of Central Avenue. They offer build your own bowls, burritos, or salads with a variety of the freshest bases, toppings, and sauces to satisfy anyone's craving and put you in charge. There are actually 6,432,189 combinations possible. Overwhelmed by Build Your Own? I know that I sometimes am. Well, you can also choose from their counter creations menu already picked for you. The first couple of times we ate there, that's exactly what I did. Then I decided to get adventurous. For bases, they offer sushi rice, brown rice, noodles, or greens. Sushi rice seems to be the norm. But I'm not a big rice person, so I finally tried the noodles, and to say I fell in love is an understatement. They are actually sweet potato noodles, I found out later, and I have no idea how they make them seem like rice noodles. I added fresh tuna and salmon, my choice of toppings and a sauce, which I didn't even need because the bowl was so good without it. I told Kevin I could eat this every day, and I would probably lose weight and love it at the same time. If you haven't checked out Pacific Counter, I would highly recommend it. They are open for lunch and dinner, have a variety of unique alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink options, and they have the beloved Dole Whip. Find your fresh at Pacific Counter. Pacific Counter is located at 660 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are open 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday through Thursday, and 11 a.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday. 
are back. We are back. We're back with Ray, Dr. Barbecue Lampy, and let's talk about uh, some TV personality stuff you've been doing lately. Don't you have you have a show, Fire Masters, on the Cooking Channel? Yeah, it's actually was shot in Canada for Food Network Canada. It's a primetime big deal show up there. And here, the Food Network just didn't didn't want it here personally, probably because they don't like to show the exact same things. But the Cooking Channel picked it up, and it's on Saturday nights, uh, I think ten o'clock on the Cooking Channel, and it's a great show. It's it's kind of like Chopped, like outside Chopped, right? But the way we do it is there's three competitors, and the last round, one of the judges goes down and cooks against the competitor for the final round. Oh, that's awesome! It's cool. Did, it's did really you do that? Cool. I did, yeah, yeah. I'm a judge, so I, I, I'm on. They, they trade the judges out. It's kind of like chopped in that regard. So you may see me, you may not. Right. But, uh, and you don't always cook, even when you're there judging. But it's, yeah. The thing about it is, you know, I mean, every judge, including me, we, it's so funny. You step down there into the cooking arena, and you can tell they're just chopping at the bit. Can't wait to get started. <laughs> <laughs> we love to do, but the now we have the advantage of have maybe cooked in that kitchen before. But the guys that are there have been there all day. They're kind of in the zone. So it's tough. Right. It's a tricky one. It's fun, though. What a great show. I love that that concept. They should do that on more shows where there's judges. And also, yeah. you can even expand that to where food critics then have to go in the kitchen and make the same thing for the chef. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah that like, would be really good, right? <laughs> how about Yelpers? Can we just have them? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> And I also saw there's a thing called Barbecue Fight Club, and it's spelled F-I-T-E-K-L-U-B, Barbecue Fight Club. And they had a secret location, and it, and it streamed. Yeah, it was a. It's a pay per view. So it, Fight F-I-T-E is a a platform for pay per views. They have MMA fights and wrestling, and and so the motocross guys, like everybody else, are sitting at home doing nothing. So they set up this like head to head thing. And they all go to this secret place in this middle of nowhere where we ended up going. And they did this like head-to-head racing with some of the big names in motocross. And it was a $20 pay-per-view. And it's all streaming and a cool idea. Well, they connected with a friend of mine, Dane Neal, up in Chicago. And they said, Dane, you know all these barbecue guys. What if we put together a barbecue pay-per-view? So that's where the fight club comes from, motocross. Mm -hmm. I-T-E-K-L-U-B. <laughs> and they just made it BBQ Fight Club and inserted us into it. And we did it at the motocross track, actually. And a couple of the drivers jumped in and helped us with a little bit of the stuff or the riders. Um, but it was just a basic six team. They got six of the big name competition guys these days. And they had me and Leanne from Devil Pig came over and judged too. And, uh, and a few other like world champions judged. And it was a cool thing. And it was $9.99. Uh, but the first ever barbecue pay-per-view and I haven't I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. We did it, <laughs> but and I haven't seen the numbers of of how how many people did watch it. But I think it was really good. That's that's funny. That reminds me of Lori with the podcast. I'm like, <laughs> what episode are you on? And she's like three behind what we've already done. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm so bad at that. I hear them all because I have to edit them. <laughs> it, it, it's my job. It's not my entertainment. I'm right. Funny. I know. That's that. That's Lori gets it. <laughs> So uh, one of your buddies, uh, you have a little project going now, uh, Dizzy Pig Barbecue. You have a new line of Dizzy Dust Barbecue Rubs. Yeah, well, it's not new. This is a 15-year-old company. And Chris well, it's Capelli, new to me. Guy, <laughs> what's that? It's, it's new to me, I guess. 
<laughs> well, that's good news, Kevin. That means I'm doing my job. Uh, Chris is an old friend of mine and a big green egg freak. He was a big green egg guy before I was. And he, Chris was a, it's an interesting story. He was a, a marketing guy, or not a marketing guy, a graphic artist. And he saw the writing on the wall that it was going away because of everybody could be their own graphic artist at this point, And it was just driving right. the market down and he just decided to create a product and sort of you know make his own company use his own skills and that's what he did so it's dizzypigbbq.com now we're old friends and i love his products but i never could work with him because i worked for big green egg and they have spices and rubs and it just was it would have been a conflict so uh, as soon as that ended we got together and i said well yeah i'd love to do that and chris is a really interesting guy in his own right but he's running the company. He doesn't have time to do what I do. So it's really a great fit and, and it's a great product. So they truly do. When you look at all, it's a crowded field right now to barbecue rub business because everybody's making a rub. But they're all going to co-packers and saying, you know, this is what right. I want it to taste like, maybe a little more garlic. And, and who knows, these guys, nothing wrong, but they're buying spices in bulk from everywhere. Chris is actually buying spices that he's grinding himself at his place and blending himself. And it's a whole different deal. It's all right. low salt. Right. Salt is cheap. You know, I'm not going to say these guys use salt as filler, but they use a lot of it and it's cheap. So right. it's really it's really fun to be part of this. And, and he's lost a little traction because of all the noise in the category, uh, but I can help with that. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, I know. There's like, I mean, he's he's making his own stuff for real, and there's a whole bunch of other guys out there that they're just designing a pretty label. Right. Yes, that's right. Well, they may be, what they're doing, I'll tell you the secret of the industry right now, everybody's saying, well, I'm using one part this, two parts this, and three parts of this one that existing products. So they go to the co-packer and they say, well, and the co-packer has knockoffs of these, or he happens to already make one of them. So this combination of the, it's these, I can't even imagine how many different layers of it there is of, of these combinations of things. And, 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 you know, it's okay. It's a legitimate way to do business, but it's not as good as grinding your own spices. Right. I'll leave you one great story about it. He, Chris was telling me that there was a couple years ago, there was an issue with ground cumin that some nuts got in it. So there, all this cumin was out there in the world, you know, that had nuts, it was contaminated and nobody could figure out how to track it down, who had used it, where it had gone into. Well, Chris buys cumin seeds and grinds them himself. So he didn't have any issue with that. That's cool. Right. So we're coming out with St. Pete Foodies barbecue rub next week. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Not that hard to do it that, the other way. That, that reminds me of something else that, that I want to talk about with you, uh, which is knives. Before, before we say, talk knives, you know, I... Lori and I have been getting into them more recently, and I learned, you know, sharpening with the whetstone last week. And I was just, I already have one that Lori got me, but I was online looking at whetstones, and most of them look exactly the same. And I was thinking, like you were describing with the spices, um, I was wondering if there's like two companies that make whetstones and they just like put everybody's packaging on it. <laughs> right. There probably is. I mean, that's kind of the world we live in these days. You're probably right. Right. So... You collect vintage La, La Cruze? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, and I recently have kind of accelerated that. I don't know what got into uh -huh. me, but years ago, I, when I lived in Chicago, 25 years ago, I was on eBay in the early days of eBay, and right. I bought two old pieces, and they showed up, and they were a little beat up, 
and a little discolored inside. And I thought, well, that's all right. I don't mind that at all, you know. And I, I still cook with those same two pieces all the time, and they haven't changed that much. And it always I always liked them. So over the years, if I was at a flea market or a garage sale and I happened to see one, I would always buy it. And, uh, it, you know, it doesn't happen much anymore, unfortunately. it's uh, That kind of stuff doesn't sit around. But so little by little, I got some pieces. And I like the cool old ones. The old ones have got a metal handle instead of the plastic knob. I'm showing nobody here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the metal handle. And then they've got different kinds of bottoms. Like the current ones have a a the bottom is also coated with the uh, the ceramic or whatever it is that's on there. Now, then before that, the whole, it wasn't, and it was flat. And before that, it was ribbed. So it's really interesting looking at it. But essentially, the sizes have remained the same. Uh, the old ones are, it's they're all the same. They're all still made in, in France. Um, it's really cool stuff, and it's sort of gotten my attention. Um, and it's, you know... It's not too luxury when it comes to the pricing. It's not cheap and easy to find, but at least it won't break your bank. It doesn't cost like a car, you know. It's a and right. I and plus I cook in them all the time. I really do use them all. That's cool. So is vintage knife collecting? Is it a thing? Are there like other collectors and websites or forums for them? For Le Creuset, Le Creuset, or I guess any vintage knives. The Le Creuset, well, Le Creuset are pots. Le Creuset are uh, yeah. There's there's all kinds of websites about it and. And even Le Creuset has some sites where they tell you about the numbers. There's numbers on them. So what cool. size pot that is. That's awesome. I, yeah, that's I can relate cool. to that because my other website besides St. Petersburg Foodies is pipesmagazine.com, which are uh, pipe, you know, old, old school tobacco pipe collectors and, and smokers. They smoke them too. But it's the same thing. Like there'll be a brand that's been around for like a hundred years and there's sites where they tell you, okay, if this one has these markings, you can tell that it was this year or whatever. It's a similar thing. Right. Well, and Le Creuset is sort of the dominant one in the field. There's a couple other brands, but you don't really even hear about them. They're just, they're just the original, and they still, they still dominate the market. I actually was in South Carolina the other day, and I stopped at their factory store and got a good deal on, on a new piece. I don't love the new pieces so much, but sometimes you just can't resist. Right, I know. <laughs> so, and you had a knife story for us, yes? Yeah, well, we, we were talking about knives, too. I mean, it's just kitchen stuff that you start collecting. You were telling me you've been getting into it as well. And I have some vintage stuff. I have one a knife that came from my grandma, an old carbon steel knife that I still... I've taken it with on every TV show I've ever done. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. happens, though, unfortunately, they let you bring, like on Chop, they let you bring seven knives. And they take them away, and they bring them back on a tray, and, and that's all you can bring with you. And <clears throat> I've brought that knife every time I've done something like that, and I've never used it, just because... It goes crazy, and you end up using the same two knives for everything, and you never right. get around, and you never get around to using those specialty knives. So it's actually uh, I haven't used it, but it's my good luck charm. But these days, I I befriended a vice president of Shun, who make gorgeous Japanese knives. I mean, I just I've always been a big fan of them, but they're just pricey. And I befriended this uh, the VP, and he knows that you know if I've got these knives, I'm going to maybe make a few friends with them. And, and he even gives me a few to share around if I'm somewhere. Cool. I, can, I, was, I did an event in Mexico at a resort and I gave my knives to the chefs that were there and, and they love it. And oh, wow. Thinks, think. But the one I wanted to tell you about is the brisket knife. Shun did not have a specific barbecue guy knife. And the barbecue guys are very specific about what they use. They want a 12 inch Granton Edge slicer, like the guy would be using for the steamship round kind of knife. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
That's what they wanted, and they, they're made in a lot of cheaper lines, and that's what they would all use. So Shun was like, well, why don't we make one like that? So I helped them and consulted with them and gave them some ideas on how to do it. And they told me that internally they call it the Ray Lampy knife. But they, don't, <laughs> they don't put that in the market, but internally that's what they call it. And it's just a big – I've got one in my hand. You can see it. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, it's got that Shun look, but it's a beautiful brisket knife. So that, that's kind of proud of that one. That's very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. So yeah, so that's I guess that's a must-have uh, for a pitmaster. You've got to slice the brisket. You need something to slice it. And we are guys, after all. So if they make a cooler version of something, obviously you want the cooler version right. of it. Exactly. That's just how we are. <laughs> so you you told me an interesting thing uh, when we were texting to set up this uh, interview. You said because I said you know maybe we can talk about some cooking stuff outside of barbecue, and you said. I like to braise things and stew them probably more than I like to cook over a fire. Yeah, it's really true. Uh, people don't, a lot of people don't know that about me because obviously I'm Dr. Barbecue. <laughs> but I, I, I learned how to cook in high school and I was 25 before I took up barbecuing. So I, you know, I knew how to cook before I cooked anything on a grill. But obviously that took off. And, and I always tell people that, if, if there was a such a thing as a chicken soup cooking contest and it was held in the parking lot outside and we all drank beer all night in preparation of the chicken soup, <laughs> we would chicken soup expert instead of barbecue. Because that was the whole cultural thing of it is what hooked me. But when it comes time to cook, I'm telling you, that obviously that goes along with my obsession with the Le Creuset pots is braising things and stewing things. And, and that's, you know, my, my heritage is French and, it, and my grandma cooked like that a lot. And it's probably where it comes from without even really knowing it. Right. right. That's really cool. Yeah, we yeah. have to work on that uh, chicken soup contest in a parking lot thing. I, I, I'm in on that, too. <laughs> and drinking beer all night. So, And also, spoiler alert for anybody that does go back and listen to the other episodes, and you really should. Uh, you, you said you learned how to cook in, in high school, and you, you told us that you took that course as a goof-off so you could eat and hang out with chicks. It's absolutely true. <laughs> See, I, I did go back and listen. I would learn how to cook and that here we are, I'm, you know, all these years later, it was my, uh, my life's work. Right. So before we sign off, uh, can we do maybe a, a very brief barbecue 101? Like say, I want to get into barbecue and I'm kind of serious about it. What should I do and what should I not do? Yeah, well, now we're talking about real barbecue, real slow-cooked barbecue. And right. Grilling, you know, I'm all about grilling, too, but but you asked about barbecue, and that's the there's a line. Grilling is hot and fast over the coals. Barbecue is offset of the coals, whether that means far enough away from it, uh, above it, or over to the side, or however you order the deflector in there. A lot of different ways to accomplish that. So the trick to it is i think the big mistake people make is just they can't accept the fact that things are going to take so long to cook if you right. go buy a brisket and brisket is all the rage these days you need to allow probably 20 hours for that whole process um and don't buy a one pound piece of a brisket and expect it to be the same if you're going to do it you buy a brisket at least 10 pounds with a lot of fat laying on it it's just how it is that's how you cook a brisket and it's going to take a couple hours to get your fire ready to where you want it. It's going to take 10 to 12 hours to cook the brisket. You're going to want to let it rest for an hour or two. I mean, this is an all-day thing. Mm -hmm. and, and 
guys try to make is get up. Well, if I get up at six in the morning, I can do this. Well, what <laughs> I just described your brisket won't even be on till eight in the morning. And at best, it's going to be done at six in the evening. And then it's going to need to rest two hours. Right. And so best you're going to have dinner at nine o'clock at night. Um, and here's what's going to happen. Your wife at about five o'clock is going to say, that brisket's done. And you're going to say, no, honey, it's not. And she's going to say, oh, yeah, it is. It's time <laughs> to eat <laughs> Because you've made a mistake of not, you know, you planned a, a party and you didn't get the food done. The trick, right. the way to do it is you, this is how a barbecue guy does it. 10 o'clock at night, you light the fire. You put the brisket on at midnight and you sleep on the couch and get up every few hours. And that's how you cook barbecue. Right. Um, so, you know, you have to just get in that frame of mind. And it takes a while because it just doesn't seem normal. <laughs> that you would have to right. start cooking dinner at 10 o'clock the night before. Right. But the end result is worth it. Well, that's why it's different than anything else. I always talk about the, the crust, the bark that we get on real barbecue. And it's it's like a roux. You know, you can't make a roux in 10 minutes just burning the butter. That's how you do it. You stand there and for 45 minutes and you make a roux. Same thing with the bark on barbecue. And that's why it's so good. Cool. Awesome. So Dr. Barbecue, the restaurant is in downtown St. Pete in the Edge District at 1101 First Avenue South. That's like across from the Tropicana and also kind of near where the roundabout is yes. uh, on Central Ave. And Dr. Barbecues for the restaurant, drbbqs.com. And then for Ray Lampy, it's drbarbecue.com, drbbq.com. Thank you, Ray. Always a pleasure, you guys. Good to see you. We'll be right back. This is Chris Walker, and you're listening to CP Foodies Podcast. During these pandemic times, we actually have been able to get out two new restaurant reviews this past week. Check stpetersburgfoodies.com for reviews of The Big Catch at Salt Creek in South St. Pete and Sea Dog Cantina in Gulfport. The Big Catch has a new chef, Jason R. Gordon, formerly of the Brass Bowl, and Jason has really kicked it up several notches at The Big Catch. Sea Dog Cantina is a new Mexican restaurant that opened right before everything went to hell, but we finally got in there last week and we were totally blown away by everything. We're still maintaining our list of what's open along with hours and if they offer dine-in, take-out, or delivery. It is linked at the top of the homepage at stpetersburgfoodies.com. And some of the places that had to close because of virus infections have reopened. Some others are still closed. And we're trying to keep that list updated on a daily basis. Next week on the show, we will have Chef Jason Gordon from The Big Catch. If you would like to send us unsolicited email, hate mail, or fan mail, or if you're interested in advertising, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Ray Lampy, And thanks to our sponsors. Noble Crust. Pacific Counter. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number no. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until, Until next, next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold.
barbecue is your canvas. Artists used smokers and, and, and pit barrels. Low, slow cooking to trap in the flavour and the juices. 